passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome to the Odds and Audible's post-game edition. Maybe the most unique setup we've had. Uh, hopefully the audio is good. Um, we're inside Gill Coliseum. We watched the football game in Research Stadium, recording a podcast. Um, one in which it's been now, I don't know, I can't see the clock on my TV, on my computer. It's but uh, 6.16. It's about two hours since Oregon lost, 38 to 34. Oof. And I still can't get past the fact that Oregon at one point in the third quarter led 31 to 10 and they lost. And then in the fourth quarter, they led 34 to seven, three seconds in, and they found a way to lose this football game. Uh, Pretty crazy turn of events, maybe the more wild ones. Um, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on Dan Lanning for some decisions to go for it. There's going to be a lot of scrutiny on special teams, yeah. which were bad. Uh, run defense was terrible. And yet they had a chance at the very end of the game to score a game-winning touchdown, and they didn't. There's a lot of different directions we could go. And I don't think there's one particular person to fault, but yeah, there's a lot of glaring concerns in the last game of the season. I, I want to start with special teams, though. Yeah, they were bad. And that's what Appreciate I just wrote about. I, I just found that to be an abject disaster. I, mean, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, you had two punts. You couldn't get airborne. One uh, puts the ball at the two-yard line. Oregon State scores to go to cut it to three. You had basically all of the second-half touchdowns besides, I think, the first one. I think the last three Oregon State touchdowns were all set up by poor mistakes on special teams. teams. Yeah. One, one was the – uh, Chris Hudson t- gets a block in the back thing where they end up, what, is that a turnover on downs or is that the turnover downs later? It's hard to put all this together. There's so much stuff that happened in that. The, the Hudson thing was a turnover on downs, yeah. yeah. Right, there was, was, but he had two, there were two Hudson returns, that one which was oh, block in the back, so it was at the eight after Swinson got the, the call. And then there was the other where the ball bounces in the air and he doesn't fair catch it. He grabs it and runs it forward eight yards. And I think it was that one. But they then went for it on fourth, didn't get it. Oregon State comes down and scores the go-ahead touchdown to take the lead and what ultimately is the final score. But Did we even mention the block punt? The block punt was first half, which was hours <laughs> yeah. ago, and, and like ultimately no points were scored off after it because uh, Oregon intercepted Cole Branson on like the yeah. next play. Yeah. And it was around that time, by the way, 
that Oregon State just decided we're not going to throw the ball ever again. Yeah. And they still win. They, they, they completed six passes. They had 60 passing yards. There was a they point. completed six passes and they won. I mean, that's just. A, there was a point where they ran 16 straight times for 230 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. All, no. in, the, all in the third, the end of third and entire fourth quarter. When was the last time they attempted a pass? Uh, it, it, it came interception. It came midway in the third quarter yeah. because they the last drive of the third quarter was all was all run plays. Mm-hmm. They yeah. ran for 149 second or second half yards. I mean, I think just the way I look at it is like everyone's at fault. Like there's really nobody who played an expertly great game, and there's nobody who didn't make a mistake that cost you. Like the defense couldn't stop anything. The reason, uh, you know, I think the, obviously the special teams we talked about a little bit. And there's even more we can get into. I mean, it was really yeah. awful. I mean, the, the, was, like one was, of the other touchdowns. I was waiting for you to bring up like Trekwes Burgess's face mask. Right. That, that was going to say that was bad return. Yeah. The, yeah. The return comes out to the 50, and then you get a face mask, and then this ball starts to the 35, and they score on like three plays all on the ground. And there's just like thing after thing after thing on special teams was terrible, but the run defense was bad. The, the offense um, kind of found a rhythm in the second half at a, at a certain point, but a lot of that was off of the turnovers the defense created. And then at the very end of the game, the offense has a chance to go down and win the game, drives it all the way down the field. You've got four cracks at it from about the five yard line. And Jared and I both, we were sitting in the press tent, press what would you trailer? Trailer. trailer. Press I think trailer. It, a trailer was advertised, and I think it was as advertised. Okay. We, which is on the complete opposite side, we both walked the whole length and sat and, and watched it basically on the goal line. There's nobody around us. And Oregon just never really got close. And they had the ball right down there. Three straight runs, all stopped for about a yard, no gain. Mm-hmm. And then they, they try a, a Bo Nix rollout to, to try to hit Chris Hudson, and, or no, sorry, Franklin. Franklin in the end zone. And the pass is low, and I, I don't even know if it was going to be catchable regardless. He wasn't really open. So, I mean, it, it, there was there's no part of this game that – Oregon played expertly or played really, really well. And yet they really probably should have won this game like five different ways. Easy. So I mean, it's just, it's just 30, 30, 31 to 10. 31, 31 to 10. But it's just, there's, it's just such a bizarre game to look back at. And I think this is going to be sadly one of the more memorable Oregon, Oregon state rivalry games from the Oregon state oh, side. Yeah. It's going to be looked at as what I mean, it's like one of the greatest comebacks ever. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't have any like data to back that up, but it, it, the, I, the only other collapse that feels reminiscent from an Oregon perspective is the TCU thing in the Alamo Bowl. Yes. I mean, Oregon in 2020. I guess the Stanford 18 game was weird, too. Oregon in 2020 in the weird. Civil War game was up, I think, a couple scores. And they were in control, and then all of a sudden they weren't. But it wasn't to this magnitude. And Lanning should get some credit – or should get some heat. Like you said, special teams will get heat. The defense will get heat. I think Kenny Dillingham needs to get heat too because I, there were questionable play calls once again. And I don't know if that's Dillingham, who, by the way, is off to ASU as their head coach. Yeah, um, I mean, you can grab about him now more if you want because he's not here. <laughs> I know that's how fans work in this fan base is once the coach goes, yeah. now it's the time to, to throw the, throw the, throw the, the stones. Um, but the fly sweep to, to Troy Franklin when they – I have no problem with them going for it on that fourth and four, I think, at, at Oregon State's 20. They went fly sweep, though, to Troy Franklin, and they got, like, what, one yard or lost a yard or something? Yeah. Um, that, that's just – you're asking players who – they've never really done a fly sweep all season long to Troy Franklin. He's not this Devin Allen or um, – trying to think of, like, another like – D'Anthony Thomas. Josh Huff. Who's just blazing fast. Like, that – he's – he gets downfield, but he's not this like elite track guy. 
to turn the corner real fast. You have two of the best running backs in the conference in Noah Winnington and Bucky Irving. You have a semifinalist offensive line for the best offensive line in the country. Why are you not giving those guys the ball? Uh, and the fourth down play in the, in, in the fourth, fourth quarter that allowed um, Morgan State to get the, the, the go-ahead and eventually game-winning touchdown, why are you asking Bo Nix on a hobbled ankle when everyone knows he can't run? Why are you asking him to make a, you know to make a decision of do I keep it or not keep it? He said he should have given it. He, to, to he, he, he's right. He he, he's right. He should have. Uh, Lanny said the same thing. But why are you even putting your players in those positions? It, it, it was a failure of success, I think, by the play calling. You're not even allowing your players to play at their best in, their, in those situations. And, there's a lot to blame, and unfortunately for Oregon fans in 2022, you lost. I, I said this in a podcast. Like, they, they might win their bowl game and mm-hmm. be 10 and three. Yeah, you said that on Friday. And they're going to be upset because they lost to Washington and now Oregon State. And both games, they probably should have won. I think that part right there is the really hard part. If you just want to kind of summarize this season, which, by the way, Jared and I both predicted nine wins to start the season. They're going to win nine regular season games. Not, not, I don't I take did. too much credit for it. Everyone hated us for doing it, and, and it turns out we're right. I, I hate to tell you I, we're right. And I hate that we're right because I obviously would have liked them to have won today and against Washington a couple weeks ago. But the reality is, is when you look at this season, it will be a season where you look back at it and what Matt said is, is how people are going to perceive it as. You, you won seven games in the conference but you lost two and you lost two to the teams that nobody wants you to lose to Mm -hmm. that you have to beat every year. And both were extremely winnable. And I know you don't want to chalk a season up to a couple different plays, but if there's not a high snap against Washington, when they're driving the ball down the field there, Knicks might not be hurt. This game might not be close. Who knows? But, and then if you've got, you've got so many different little mini moments in this game that if you could just pluck a, if Alex Bales just handles the punt better, maybe you get a good punt off and and maybe you slow them down maybe it changes it if if you uh you know if you don't have all those <laughs> returns that are just disasters if you and what happens if Bo Nix hits that Terrence Ferguson throw up the seam that was, right where it was deflected was, it was a good defensive play but if that's connected to goes and, right. and actually even that's such a small thing but the fact that they didn't end up scoring a touchdown and settling for a field goal Bill brought this a couple couple times was the fact that they had to settle for field goals um, on that drive, which was the response drive, like Oregon State goes down 75 yards down the field, scores in like four run plays. So right. their only sustained scoring drive in the second half. Oregon has first play a 50 yard pass to Troy Franklin. You're going, okay, here it is. They're going to bounce back, answer the score. They don't. They have to settle for a field goal. I think it was the right choice to kick the field goal. I thought they made the right choices almost across the board in terms of the not kick kick thing. I would have even considered maybe kicking it earlier, but. Um, but on the on the one that they ended up going for and getting shut down on the play, Matt was talking about with, with Franklin. But the fact that you didn't get a touchdown there, even like I started to get kind of weird vibes around there. I even said, I mean, I don't, I don't want to pat myself too much in the back for predicting the downfall. You can pat yourself on the back, but this. I did did say right before the Alex Bales, like two plays before yeah. the Alex Bales didn't handle the snap. Yeah, like, I, I stood up and I said, I got bad vibes. Like something doesn't feel right. And it feeling? got real ugly quick and. Um, I don't even remember the original point I was making because I've now talked about so many different things that were screwed up in this game. And I'm like, did you noticeably flustered? Yeah. Because it, there's so much in this game that like, oh, I was just the one play thing. I guess that brings to the, the one point. play thing. Yeah. Like I just talked about like seven different things. Mm-hmm. And it's like if any of those go a little different, it might have been a different wins. it might have been a different result. That's why you play the games. And that's absolutely why you play the games. It's college football. It's college football for sure. I mean, there's probably plenty of 
uh, hate on our on the message board and, and Twitter and social media going around. Um, this was just a well-executed game by Oregon State in the final quarter. Um, it, by the way, followed a terribly executed third quarter for Oregon State. Yeah, three turnovers. It was terrible, and they just decided, hey, we're not going to put the ball in the hand of Doug Branson anymore. We're going to run the ball because, for some reason, Oregon isn't putting all 10 or 11 people in the box and just saying, hey, Ben, go Branson, beat us. They never made an adjustment, and Oregon State took advantage of that. Um, Oregon's play calling was severely uh, – I'm not going to hate on Kenny Dillingham. I thought what he, what he had – to what he has had to do in the last two games and play calling has been tough with Nix's limited abilities. Also, they can't actually trust their special teams anymore. So what else is, is, is Dan and Kenny supposed to do other than go for it on those situations? And that's, sure. what Dan, that's sort of what Dan this, said, by the way. Dan, Dan was like, said, I had sure. to go for it. And they yeah. did it twice and got stopped Sure, the twice. play calling could have been different, but if those plays had worked, we wouldn't be here talking about it. That's another one of those situations that Eric was describing in those one plays. And if they get – Two yards instead of one or, or three yards, whatever. But honestly, if Bo just gives it to if Bo Irving. gives it to, to Irving or I think it was Irving in the game, they probably get a first down. But you give that option to Bo because that's how that option worked last week. They dove in on I think it was Whittington last week and he took it outside. He just made the wrong call this time around, which for Oregon that's pretty damn unfortunate because that, that drive, if that keeps going, maybe it ices the game for Oregon and they squeak out with a win. Maybe it doesn't. We won't know. But, yeah, this was just – I'm gonna if I'm going to blame anybody because I feel like it's a blaming time to do it. And who do you want to blame, Jared? Oh, God, it's got to be the defense. Easy. They didn't make a single switch from, hey, Ben Gilbranson, they might as well not even have put him on the field. It should have just been straight wildcat for the entire third, third and fourth quarter. And Oregon – didn't respect it. They didn't make a change. They didn't do anything different in terms of their defense. I'm sure they did, and I didn't see it with my dumb, naked eye from the press box that we, we had a pretty could barely see anything from. Um, you also didn't have a seat, so you I were standing with yeah, binoculars. I was, but yeah, I was already. Could, uh, yeah. Um, but then we knew the day was really turned upside down when we arrived, <laughs> yeah. and there was only two, we only had two seats that were covered, and Jared was supposed to sit in a chair, a folding chair outside the press box area or the press seating area. That was a tough one. But I will say, like, Oregon needed to change and just try to take – I mean, they, they knew Ben Gilbranson wasn't going to, to do anything with the football. It was the opposite of last week against Oregon where Utah knew Bo Nix wasn't running with the football, so they just locked down on Bucky and Noah. Um, Oregon didn't seem to lock down on the fact that they weren't going to throw the ball the entire second half. They didn't throw the ball at all in the fourth quarter. They threw four pass attempts in the – or. Four pass attempts, I think, in the second half. Two of which were intercepted. Two of which were intercepted. <laughs> and, and the other one, one of the other ones, by the way, which was a fumble recovery for Oregon. Like they threw the ball. They right. tried to it throw was, it three times in the second half, and they all were turnovers. Yeah, like on, on this, they have a nice little chart, chart yeah, over here. Yeah, I'm sure you can read that. It's Yeah, I'm sure you guys can, but like you know, back-to-back passes with an interception, and the other one was a forced fumble. They weren't going to pass the ball. They weren't going to do it. And maybe I, I just I found it very surprising because Oregon's rush defense – has been pretty damn good this year. Yeah. And yeah, you yeah. have, like I said last week on the podcast, they proved it, even though in games prior, it's like, why would we run the ball? We're just going to throw the ball. Well, in this game, why would we throw the ball? We're just going to turn it over. We're just going to run the ball for seven yards of carry in the second half. I just, I was surprised. And if I have to put blame on somebody, I got to do it on the defense as a whole. Very 2016 vibes. Ryan Null yeah. against Oregon. Yeah, um, and that was a game that brought sweeping changes to the Oregon program. Um, 
I'm not saying that there needs to be sweeping changes no, at Oregon. I think no, that's I think a so. gross overreaction, but you don't think they should fire the head coach after this? No, I don't think they should do that. People on our message board have said exactly that. Sorry. But when you get run on 16 straight times and have the success that they had, that's pathetic. I mean, that that's embarrassing. And I mean, what Bennett Williams said post game, and obviously he's not a big part. He, he isn't responsible for helping stop the run, but he's on the back end of it. And, you know, he only can do so much from being a, a safety. But he said the way that this game transpired for Oregon, guys that are on this team next season should use this as a chip and should use this as a motivating factor for a long time because what happened on both sides of the ball with the coaching staff, especially the defense, was embarrassing. And if you're a team that – look – Three weeks ago, we were talking about playoffs. And this week, we were talking about getting to Vegas and getting to the Rose Bowl. Like, if that's your type of team that we all kind of thought that at least Rose Bowl possibility. When they won eight straight games, it yeah, felt like that yeah, stuff was yeah. like, that felt That should terrible. never happen to anyone. Like, that, that you can't have that happen. And it's, it, it's exposed. This season has exposed some really bad skeletons that the program has. They can't cover the pass at all. And now for... Well, today they did. And today they were actually really damn good. <laughs> the Helps when you play Oregon State's passing game. Uh, but, and now the, the, you know, well, their toughness got tested. And I think it just, uh, it, it unfortunately answers the question in a way I was hoping it wouldn't be. A couple weeks ago, I remember after the Washington game, we're going to the Utah game, we're going, like, this is a totally different style of team. Like, the worst case result is if this other team who plays a totally different style like victimizes the defense. Well, they've now had three straight, three games, sandwich in between it, Utah, well, the best defensive showing of the season. But against Washington, as you said, yeah. secondary got absolutely torched. And now against Oregon State, front seven. front seven got torched. Oregon State ran all over them. And I mean, honestly, to put this to put this straightforward, a team came back from 21 points down without throwing the football. Yeah, that should never happen. They didn't even attempt to throw it. I mean, because usually when they you think They shouldn't of, have time for that to happen. Yes. No, right. That, that should, that, that's the other time. part of it. And what allowed that was the special right. team's mistakes was going forward and forth. And what, which, by the way, to go back to that one, I don't think there's any question. You had to go forward and forth on your own 29, which sounds so stupid to say. No, you have But Dan, to. Dan brought it up because I asked him a question, mm -hmm. and I was just curious if he'd even go there of like, he's like, we can't punt. They have no confidence. They have no. They have no confidence in their punter, and and that he might even mishandle the ball. Like they've already had two go, and you know it's ironic because a couple a couple of days ago I was watching a, a, a YouTube video of, of the long snapper from. This is not quite the same thing. I, I mentioned you before. How did we get to this tangent? Well, because I'm talking about how it changes the way you approach a game. Where Montana State had a long snapper punt the ball or snap the ball through the end zone four straight times. For Weber State had a long snapper snap it through the end zone four straight times. I don't know, that totally shifted the game. This was obviously not snapping it through the end zone four times, but you get to a point where you go, I just don't even want to, why would we punt? Yeah, what's, what's the point? For well, it to get blocked? For, for it to get blocked. If it even does, if they throw, if they if they put Alex Bales out of his misery and take him out of the game and put in somebody else, that's just, it's just it's as likely that something's going to happen. And if he did punt it, it was only 34 yards. Oregon has a has massive, massive we've talked special about this teams all year You're not going to get a better podcast on Oregon Network that talks about special teams than Odds and Audibles. And... It has finally come to fruition. Gosh. Um, uh, let's take a quick break, okay. and then we come back. There's a lot of other things long-term that, so that we have to unpack.
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, welcome back to the Austin Audible's podcast. Um, recapping, it's like Gill, Oregon's 38-34 loss. They're now 9-3 on the season, 6-3 and three in Pac-12 play. Seven or 7-2, seven yeah. sorry, I was reading Oregon's fate. Um, they now wait for the outcome of the Apple Cup. Um, depending upon when you listen to this, we'll know that outcome. Yeah. Washington State wins. Uh, Oregon goes to Las Vegas. If Washington wins, Utah goes to Las Vegas, and each team would be the, would play USC. But I, it doesn't matter what the next game is, whether it's in six days in Las Vegas, or if it's in a bowl game, which now, I mean, we were talking Rose Bowl earlier, and now it's potentially the Alamo Bowl. It's potentially the Holiday Bowl, uh, potentially even the Las Vegas Bowl, uh, right at signing day, which would be an ultimate disaster because that takes away time for recruiting. Um, we've also got the Dillingham effect here. I'm going to be real curious to see what happens. Um, Ross Dillinger, I think what Bruce Feldman as well. Everybody has. It's, it's, it's happened. Yeah. Tweeted out and within like five, like 30 minutes of this game being over. Yeah. The story came out that Dillingham was going to ASU as their next head coach. Um, can we say we weren't surprised by this news? We can. Mm-hmm. Like, we are weren't. we comfortable saying that because we weren't? Okay. I mean, I told you like, before, before the game, the game I was like, hey, like, Dillingham's gone. Like, I just didn't figure it would happen. Yeah. Like, we were going to build a shell like, and all that for a story like, for tomorrow or something. But it opens the door now. Like, I think Bo was asked about it. Like, did he feel like it impacted the game? I think that's unfair to Kenny Dillingham. Um, I mean, we saw other coaches. We saw Dan Lanning himself, like, interview for the job at Oregon, get the job at Oregon, and then coach in the college football playoff semis and the championship game while being also the head coach. But it now opens the door of, A, if they don't go to the Vegas, who plays in the bowl game? Yeah. Chase Cota says he's playing. Uh Bo gave a couple like non-committal, non-yes, non-no answers. 
Um, and what does Dillingham do? Does he call plays? Is, is he just gone? And how does that impact things? And the reason I ask that question is because you're nine and three. You can still get the 10 wins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you go nine and four and you lose three of your last four games of the regular season, it's going to feel a lot. We are where we were last year. Yeah. And if they get to Vegas and lose and then lose their bowl game, now they're nine and five. And this, this season feels really strange. And I, I just think the next couple of weeks could well, shape the viewpoint of this season. Can I toss another potential negative into the Please. stratosphere here? Because uh, we don't know what we're doing. Uh, what does Dante Moore do? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. just a question to have to answer. It was one of the first things I thought of was okay, we think short term. Because Matt's right. Like, who knows who's calling plays now in the bowl game? Um, if they make it to a Rose Bowl, hypothetically, he would still. I would coach. probably. I think he might stick around just because uh, Dillingham uh, can look at Dan and say, "Look what Dan just did." I know it's for a national championship; it's a little different than a Rose Bowl, but marquee game, a good opportunity. You want to stick around with your guys. You're going to get hype. You get showcased like crazy too in that game. Yeah, and then it's going to all be, "Oh, he's going to be the head coach at Arizona State next year." Look at this offense. Yeah. All that, but my my, I start going to like, what what does this do for the recruiting? And Dante Moore is a five star recruit. You are on the doorstep of signing this class. Like we're, we're talking about it in like three weeks. Like, three weeks like, yeah. Not even that yet. It's like two and a half now. Yeah, it's like two and a half weeks till signing day, and it's like now you kind of wonder what's he going to do. Is he? Is I mean, a big part of that sign or that commitment when it happened was first thing he referenced was Dillingham. Was Dillingham, and he's not longer here. There's not going to be any clarity of who will be the offensive coordinator or quarterbacks coach. That's a new, that's a position that will go up. Not for a while. We probably won't have a, I'm guessing there won't be a higher than that until maybe end of December, sometime in January, somewhere in that range. So you got some time there. What does that do for Dante? Um, you know, sometimes kids just stick it out and go, okay, now I was committed to the school more than I was the coach, but he's going to have some answers to give now in the next week or so about what he's doing. Does he reopen his commitment? Does Oregon remain a player? Does he stay committed? There's just all these possible things, but to me, I hate that we're going into that now because it's right off the, the cuff of what just took place. But that is becomes a, a very quickly a big talking point, in part because I don't know if it, we have no clarity of Bo Nix coming back. I don't think we expect him to. You asked and James asked questions kind of about that decision. He, yeah, I don't think he does, but he was pretty handled those as he does normally. Very diplomatic. He's very smart. <laughs> really bright guy and knows what you're going for. Didn't bite. Didn't give really a lean one way or the other. But if you expect Bo's not back. You have no idea really what you've got in Ty and Jay. I mean, I don't think you feel great about if, either. If Ty stays, because that's what I said, I think, what, like last week, where I'm like, that's if, Kenny, if Kenny goes to ASU, I, I would anticipate Ty going as well. Right. Go back so, to there's, his hometown, so there's that. So, I mean, like, there's a scenario here where we're, we're going to just. We're going down all these. All, all, yeah. Down. So we're going all the way down there. But, like, you, you, the most important position on, on the field, it felt like a couple of days ago, you would say, okay. It's either going to be Bo coming back, or you've got Dante, or you hit the transfer portal, and now it feels like you definitely want to be. Well, and that just plays right into what I was that hit my mind when Jared mentioned Ty and possible transfer. Yeah, transfer season starts in like a week. The, the portal, <laughs> the, the portal opens, uh, I think December fifth, and players on this Oregon team will yep. put their names in the portal and be gone. And it's going to be a very interesting scenario to see how all this plays out and this is you brought up Dante Moore and it doesn't just stop there no so he calls Dillingham or he calls Lanning and hey what's what's the plan I need need to know what we're doing what are you thinking in replacing Kenny and on on top of all of that now Ashton Kozart now Jerion Dickey Mm -hmm. um, all the other offensive players are going to call Lanning and go hey 
Dillingham's gone. What are you thinking? What are you doing? And by the way, what's Dante Moore doing? Like the quarterback is the most important piece of a recruiting class because if, so if, many other guys are attracted. If Dante sticks, I would imagine. I'm not reporting. I imagine a lot of the guys are going to go. Okay, that eases my concern. But if he flips, it opens the door wide open for a lot of those guys. And you'd hate to go. We're going to have two five stars in this class. Both on offense. It's possible both of them could be looking around again. Now we're really getting into enough people really, listening. Yeah. Are like, man, really depressed. You just had the holidays. You just had a great time. You had some turkey. Wonderful Thanksgiving. Great Thanksgiving. Enjoy life. It, as Chase Cota made it very clear, there's more to life than just, the just football. football. There's a lot more going on. So he's got the great like uh, surfer dude. He attitude. does. He does. He has the greatest attitude. He's unfazed by everything. Like he was basically I just. I, you go watch the interview. I thought it was great. But um, we were here sweating that. And then I don't. Do we want to talk about something that happened after the game as people left? There's, yeah, there's a video of, a, of an Oregon football player punching, throwing, throwing a punch, throwing a punch. We don't know if it landed or not. Um, and that's just the next thing that's going to have to come out of this. Um, we asked Oregon staffers if they were aware of it. Um, it became aware to Oregon after Dan Landing spoke. So there was no opportunity to get his comments there. Um, Players took the podium without even knowing about it. Um, I imagine we will hear something from the University of Oregon tonight or tomorrow saying that, hey, they're looking into it, they're gathering all the facts. But it's unfortunate it happened, um, allegedly. We also don't want to just assume guilt right away, but it's just another thing. Um, And I think all all, all three of us, I forgot Jackson's not here, we, oh, yeah, we, we took the we took the same walk that the players take. I'm not trying to make excuses, but back to the pretty locker room. Hostile. It was pretty hostile. Is <laughs> putting it very lightly. That was my like <laughs> moment in the life of a football player of walking up the tunnel and having terrible I things like terrible <laughs> things yelled at you nonstop by Oregon State fans. Yeah, it wasn't very fun. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, it's I think it's just one of the ugly, sad parts of this sport that some negative things happen. And unfortunately for Oregon, again, allegedly, we don't know what led to it, but someone on Oregon's team lashed out and there could be ramifications for that. I think that's going to do it for I, us. Yeah, I don't, I, I mean, um, I was going to ask if we want to do any positives. Well, I, I, yeah. Chase Coda. Chase Coda came good. back, had this Chase great Coda's game. The, you know, the defense did force some turnovers, which was good. I thought both played pretty darn well. I, I agree. Yeah, but had a good game. Almost he, 300 yards passing. No, he had 327. Yeah, oh, he went three over. He, I mean, yeah, he just he was severely limited by his ankle again on some throws. But, he had, yeah, he had some big moments. To Noah Winnington. Winnington is, has, I think, become a hot hand as of late. Bucky has not been as effective, whether it's just poor blocking or he missing a hole or just, you know, yeah. the defense making the play. Mm-hmm. Um, Winnington, though, the last couple of weeks has really come on strong. Um, he's made a couple moves. I think Jared and I looked at each other once and we're like, that should have been like a three-yard loss and he got hit. The one in the hole, yeah. Um, and Alex then, Bales' yard per carry took a big hit. To <laughs> Alex Bales, yeah. Yard per carry. Minus, poor Alex. Oh, poor Alex. Um, positive on special teams, Camden Lewis. There was a positive on a special teams? He connected on two kicks, made both field goals. He made all his extra points. Camden Lewis is the lone person on special teams that feels reliable besides. I guess I guess we'll long snapper. Yeah, Carson Bottles. He's, he's, he's reliable. Yeah, he's, he graduates. 
Um, I, was, I don't know a whole lot much to say here. Yeah, so now we'll, we'll wait. Uh, post game, you'll know as we know. Um, Apple Cup outcome decides where Oregon goes. If they go to Vegas, if we go to Vegas in six days, uh, or if we're all just kind of watching the Pac-12 championship game from our homes and not gambling our savings away in, in Las Vegas, as I was looking forward to doing. <laughs> away or or being able to put like a, you know, buy, put a down payment on a car or something. Yeah, there you go. Positive. Thinking positive. All right, that's going to do it for us, post-game edition of the Austin Audible's podcast. We'll talk to you on Monday. Go Cougs. Bye. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the oh I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. (laughs) Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Way, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus.